Hello and welcome to the Book Buzz Show. I am your host, Cheryl Brooks. And uh, if you're new, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. And if you enjoy the upcoming show, please like, follow, subscribe, and share the broadcast. Um, also, for those who are new, excuse me, here at the Book Buzz Show, um, we do discuss the book and the characters with some minor spoilers. Um, but we don't give anything major away that would uh, ruin the read for a new reader. Um, in addition to being a live broadcast, the Book Buzz Show is now also a podcast. So you can check us out at the Book Buzz Show with Cheryl, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to follow us there as well so you can listen when you're out and about. And um, the book that we are discussing tonight is Forever Carly, and um, that's the the book cover on the screen for those who are watching, for those who are listening uh, later. Uh, again, the book is Forever Carly by Michelle Sims. So make sure you check that out. All right, and let me tell you a little bit about the author, Michelle Sims, that is going to be on with us tonight. Michelle Sims is the author, Ego, of Deanna McNeil, MD, and creator of the Moore Family Saga. She loves writing hot love stories in women's fiction with multi-generational characters. She is the recipient of the 2019 RSJ Debut Author Award, the 2018 RSJ Aspiring Author Award, and first runner-up in the Introvert Press Poetry Contest for February 2018. She is a member of LRWA in Charleston, South Carolina. She lives in South Carolina with her husband, who has been her soulmate and greatest cheerleader. She is the proud mother of two sons. She has worked on several collaboration projects and plans to work with other authors in the future. All right, um, and so without further ado, I'm going to bring on tonight's guest, Michelle Sims, and then also my co-host for this evening, Katina Brown, and let me welcome them to the stage. Welcome, 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 ladies. Hello, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Is we finally get a chance to see each other in yes. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay, let me one. Okay, so we're gonna get right into it because uh, we have a lot to discuss. And one of the things that I like to ask um, the authors is, what has been your writing journey from when you started to now? And what type of books do you write just for those who are new to you? Okay. Well, I, I would say I've had a, um, well, welcome everybody. Um, I've, I've had a long writing uh, experience, but not necessarily as a published author, but just someone who enjoyed the written word. Uh, I was um, blessed to be reared in a home where there were just books all around. My mother was an avid reader, grandmother and my father, they were all avid readers. But because I chose a, a career in the healthcare field, which 
is a, a very demanding field. There just wasn't a lot of time for um, creative writing. So I found that up until, well, let's see, from 2010 to about 2016, my writing was really during breaks or getting up early, staying up late to do some creative writing. And then I realized that as I was getting close to retirement, maybe this was the time to do something for me and um, you know, decided to um, write creatively a little more often than I had when I was working full time. So in 2018, so 2016, I started working, you know, schedule, had more time to do it. In 2018, my first book came out, Seed on Fire. And then I've had the uh, More Family Saga since then. So um, this year, actually November 10th, was the fifth anniversary of Seed on Fire. And then we've had five books in the More Family Saga since then. Um, but the latest release is uh, Forever Carly. And what, as far as, um, and yeah, I noticed in your in your bio that you are an MD. So you, um, that's a that's a big to have the, because the intellectual side of the MD and then the creative side. I love that that you have both sides working with both sides of your brain. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And actually, and I took uh, you know one of the tests that they have for um, you know what would suit you. Um, from a, a um, professional standpoint. And I was one of those at that time, I was a naval officer that had a balanced perspective. So I okay. stood right in the middle of um, the officers who would be more right-brained and more creative and those left-brained a little more analytical. So, you know, here I am. I love that. And um, um, now when you first started, did you go, did you try to like shop the book around your first book? to uh, different publishers? No, you know, I really didn't understand the process of that. Um, I just felt that at that time in my life, I had taken off, and I think at that time I saw them as shackles. I'd taken off the shackles of a 30-year career, so I was retiring. I'd mm -hmm. finished my um, commitment as a naval officer and my house was paid for. So I just felt like I wasn't ready to sign up for mm -hmm. another long-term contract. Mm -hmm. So, and then really not knowing the, the um, the, the community and uh, what I needed to do. It just felt right that at that point in my life to become an indie author. I love it. And um, what was your first romance book that you read that had an impact on you? Well, that's a very interesting story. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the sixth grade, we had a teacher and she really was, I think, ahead of her time. She would let us use the last period for creativity. So if you were a reader, you could sit in the corner and read. If you were a writer, you could write. And so we ended up forming this little book club group in the sixth grade. And so my books at that time was Laura Ingalls' Wilder Little House on the Prairie. But I had a classmate who decided that she wanted to write romance books where she was the love entrance um, of Marlon Jackson. Oh, and I'm telling you, it was not her <laughs> So she just opened up this world to me that I did not know that existed. And then sometimes she would put us in the stories. We would go on dates with the Jackson Five. And it's like, oh, my goodness. So. I would say that was my my first um, venture into romance at a very early age. Um, the other thing is that I was always curious about the story between Leah, uh, Rachel, and Jacob. 
and the impact and the things that he would do because he loved this woman. And even after she died, it was a persistent love um, and, you know, and how the family dynamics played into that. So that was one aspect. But the other thing is, you know, I enjoyed um, Brenda Jackson's uh, Love and, the, and Catalina Cove series. Mm-hmm. Um, and most recently, um, Kennedy Ryan, um, Before I Let Go, because again, that's a second chance and that seems to be having a moment right now. Right. I love both, uh, both of those authors as well. Um, now, when you're deep in writing mode, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, I I enjoy starting the day, even if I'm not in writing mode, but in writing mode, I'll I'll do that too with, I call them my morning salutations. So I have a group on Facebook and we've been following each other for years. These are readers, writers, and we start off the morning sending out positive vibes to each other. So I'll make a post, they'll make a post. We kind of make our rounds. We're saying good morning. We're sending out love, positive vibes. And then I find that to kind of clear my mind, it's good to walk. So I'll walk around the neighborhood by myself and then I'll connect with some neighbors. We'll walk around and then I'm thinking while I'm doing this. And then I come back and I settled uh, with my co-author, which is my cat, Aria. So it just depends on (laughs) on how much, if she wants to walk on the, um, across the computer, I might not get as much done. If she wants to sit in her cat tree and watch the birds, I may be able to sit there for hours. I love that. I love that. that. You should have have done a dedication to her. Uh, do you have any like writing quirks um, that you like routine things or favorite items that you have to have when you're uh, writing? Yeah, I well, it, it's, there are times when I can't really write on the computer. So I'll have like a legal pad and a pen because they're, they're just some things I process better if I'm writing it down and it's a more tactile experience. And then uh, there are other times when I listen to music, like I've written almost a whole book listening to Jodeci or I'll listen to Anita Baker, but really soulful, you know, kind of love um, stuff. Um, and, you know, and so th- those are things. And then I, I enjoy looking out the window that for the most part, if I'm writing, if I'm really in creative mode, mm-hmm. I'm usually sitting there a window. Okay. And um, it's similar to me when I, before I go on uh, air, um, I like listening to my music. It just gets mm-hmm. me in that, you know, in that vibe, you know. Um, so I can see that with the writing too, how that can put you in a certain kind of um, your zone. <laughs> yeah, yes, it puts you in the zone. Right. <laughs> uh, when you're not writing, what do you like to do for fun besides um, maybe say well, walking stuff? For the last five years, so if I'm not right, my husband and I, we enjoy following the uh, Lady Gamecocks, and especially since Dawn Staley has come here, she's just turned the team into a powerhouse. So I'm usually doing that, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking at some point I may even write a story about a, a female basketball player. Who knows? I, I follow them a lot. And my happy place is international travel. So I enjoy traveling and any type of creative outlet. outlet. I like scrapbooking. I don't garden as much because of my bad knees, but mm-hmm. I used to garden a lot. Just just any, I, I like watching things grow. I wish I had the green thumb to be able to garden. I <laughs> said, so I want to uh, get into it. I know I was growing up, my grandmother always had a garden. And, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, my grandmother had a green thumb. But the but the garden community, they are they they're like the reading community. You if you go to any garden shop, and it could be in the big box, you could um, you know, find yourself um at Lowe's or Home Depot. There's mm -hmm. always somebody around to give you tips. They're very giving community. You know, okay. go, well, maybe you should try this or try that, and it'll, mm -hmm. you know, they, they give you a lot of tips. That's good to know. Cause nowadays we de definitely it couldn't hurt to know how to grow your own. <laughs> your own oh food. yes. <laughs> I know that. Mm -hmm. um, now this story is about a second chance romance. Yes. So what do you like most about writing second chance romance? Well, I mean, I think second chance romance mirrors life and because humans are imperfect there, there's just, and I would say, even if you woke up every day and said, I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to try my best mm -hmm. to do the right thing. You're still going to end up in a mess. Mm -hmm. You're still going to end up with miscommunications. You're going to make mistakes. There's just plenty of room for that. And so in the context of that, there has to be room for redemption because that that has to be part of the human experience too because any imperfect experience has to include redemption so when you look at the the, uh, the power of why we're on the planet and what makes life on this planet worthwhile it's love so when you put those together a redemptive story about love you you also are giving yourself the opportunity to learn some very powerful things about human beings because oftentimes that's when we find out about ourselves not in the good times but in the bad times and how we handle when things don't happen the way we think it should go mm -hmm. true um now what is the backstory of the main characters for those who haven't read the book yet can you give us a little bit of their personality as far as who they are as characters sure well, it started off um, as a member of the LRWA, Low Country uh, Writers of um, Romance Writers of America. We we had this charitable project. So I think this was back in um, twenty. Yeah, it had to have been twenty sixteen. I think we all decided to put in a small story, a short story, um, at, as charity about love in the Low Country. So all of us put in a story that had to have taken place in the low country um, of South Carolina, and it had to be a love story. So mine was at that time called Poinsettias for uh, Carly. So Carly at that time, and she still is in, in Forever Carly, she was a history professor. But, and the um, male main character was Mason Moore, who was a child of privilege. They both are African-Americans, but they, they kind of grew up on slightly different sides of the track. Mm -hmm. um, Carly's aunt, her aunt Nora, lived on the same street that Mason and his family lived on. So they lived in downtown Charleston, which is still a lot more affluent. Carly's family lived on the west side, but that's how they intersected when she would go visit her aunt's house. And then um, Mason and her older brother, John, became best friends. So now Mason comes over to the west side because he's hanging out with them. So as childhood friends, that's what they were. They they really she saw him as the friend of her older brother. But adolescents kick in, the hormones kick in, and they find that they've got more um, feelings for one another than play cousins. Mm -hmm. And so from there, and especially as he has this um, athletic ability, he becomes the quarterback of their. They go off to college. He's the, the quarterback. She's the beautiful head cheerleader. What they have in common is that they're both the youngest member of the family. They're 
adored and loved. But what Carly finds is that love is about giving. Her family, they were entrepreneurs and they were known to be givers in the community. So people would come to them and her mom was known for her um, culinary skills. So she would always be the one where she cooked a lot and it would be, oh, I've got just too much in the pot. And she would send Carly them to the neighbors to make sure that they had and, and they would keep their dignity too. Mason, on the other hand, his family always had power and they always had money. So for him, love was about um, sharing that with the people that you love, but it also creates a little disconnect in how they see love. Um, and so, you know, when they go off to college, they they um, become they become boyfriend and girlfriend. But I guess without giving too much of the story right. away, there are things that change mm -hmm. right. and um, derail it because for the longest people in, in Charleston is like a big small town. Everybody mm -hmm. thought right. that they would get married. I, you know, I grew up with several couples like that. They would get married, they'd be there forever, and that, that just didn't happen for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have someone in the audience. Hi, Ola. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Ola. Uh, <laughs> and um, now, did you have anyone in particular in mind, like a celebrity or anything, when you were forming them in your mind as far as what they would look like? The characters. Well, I, I would say that the character without the arrogance, um, and he has definitely more arrogance than um, than LeBron James. But if you could think of LeBron and Mason as being the football equivalent of LeBron, who starts off with this just phenomenal athletic uh, talent, but he's able to shape it into becoming a captain of industry. He's able to shape it and becoming a billionaire because he's got all these skills. So it's almost it's like that, but instead of a basketball, it's more football. Carly, um, uh, not really. I mean, she was just your average girl who had a kind heart. Um, still needed to find out a lot about the world, still needed to kind of get a sense of herself. And I mean, I think probably the person that came closest to, but not necessarily was Viola Davis, because Viola is also from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I think Viola didn't understand her power. It, it took her a while to understand her power. It took her a while to understand her beauty. And she's gorgeous, but she didn't right. think that. And she's right. very talented. But again, she had to grow into that, just like Carly had to grow into it. All right, and uh, we have Lisa out here. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for joining us. All right, and um, this is a good time to do the excerpt, I think. For sure. Okay. It look like we have midnight out here. Hey, midnight. Hey, midnight. Hello. <laughs> you know that's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> she told me. Uh, she said you're gonna love the book. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, I'm, I'm going to read chapter one, which um, I, I call it um, the experience, the valley experience. The, the, the experience on the mountaintop and really don't give a lot of credit and value to the valley experience, but there's growth in the valley too. And so it starts off with watch your, watch your step, a loud voice called out piercing the silence of an ancient December evening. The unexpected sound of the heavy door as it was forced open, the rush of wind, and the flashlight shining in her face overwhelmed her senses. Dr. Carolyn and Carly Rivers stumbled as she tried to maintain her balance. Her heartbeat quickened and she panicked while reaching for the cold wrought iron railing. You scared me, she yelled. 
old while walking up the concrete steps of the old courthouse. Bill was covered with white snow and patches of ice. Stopping to catch her breath, she wrapped her fashionable, heavy woolen coat around her. What the devil were you thinking? You almost made me fall. She knitted her brow, looking up at her lawyer, a tall young man wearing eyeglasses and holding a flashlight in his hand. That's what I was trying to prevent. It's dark out here. I didn't want you to hurt yourself. He lowered the flashlight so the bright light illuminated the slippery spots covered with ice instead of blinding her and placed the hand and on her arm. Slowly, he helped her up the stairs to the large entryway of the courthouse with its worn, honey-colored hardwood floors. We're in the room to the left. He led the way down the wide corridor lined with large portraits of former judges in their black robes and opened the door to a room with a long conference table surrounded by leather-covered chairs. Large windows provided a view of the gusty wind blowing through the trees outside. I hope you're right this time, she pulled out a chair. The weather is too bad to be out chasing false hopes. She took her time unwrapping the scarf around her neck and climbing out of her, but still shuddered from the chill of the room. Dressed in a black, long-sleeved sheath dress, accessorized with pearls and matching boots, the ones that made her feel confident, she smoothed back her hair and wiped her tired eyes. I got a feeling about it, Carly. I think the jury's gonna come back with a verdict tonight. They've been deliberating longer than expecting. Is that good or bad, counselor? She folded her arms across her chest and looked at the baby-faced man she'd hired months ago. Attorney Jason Aronson worked for a firm that was highly regarded and recommended by her friends. Her lawyer, a small college, was paying for the legal representation of the dean of the history department after she sued him for sexual harassment. The firm she hired was supportive but couldn't offer representation by one of their senior, more experienced members with the money she was able to pay. Sighing, she paced while she looked over the notes on several of the yellow legal pads on the table in front of him. In two years, she had gone from being one of the history department's most sought after professors and favorite of the students to being that she deserved were slim. It's neither good nor bad. He shrugged and peered over his glasses, resting low on the bridge of his nose. What, what, what did you say? She returned her attention to the conversation. I answered your question. I don't think the jury is taking, the, the time the jury is taking is a good or bad thing. What I think is that you should have a seat and wait. The fact that one of the Dean's former students came forward and testified that he harassed her too sure didn't hurt your case. It didn't prove it, but it didn't hurt. She was credible and did better than on the examination. Carly bit her lip and slowly slumped into her chair. Casting her gaze out the window, she looked at the snow as it fell on the small Maryland town. It was Christmas time and she couldn't deny the beauty of nature as the snow outlined the, the landscape. The holiday season was one of her favorite time of the year, but the crushing weight of debt, a blistering divorce, little hope of having children of her own, and a career on life support had taken its toll. Tough times. To prove it. She placed a hand to her forehead and turned her head as tears formed in her eyes. Are you all right? Jason pulled a clean tissue from a box on the table and handed it to her. Before she could answer, there was a knock at the door. A grim-faced representative of the courts dressed in a dark suit, 
a white shirt. A matching tie opened the door and stepped inside the room. Carly studied his appearance. If she didn't know better, she could easily have mistaken him for a man dressed for a funeral, her funeral. Jason pushed his chair away from the table and stood at attention. The jury has returned with a verdict. He advised them. The judge is in the courtroom waiting for you. Despite her attempts to calm her anxiety, her palms moistened. She made tight fists and dug her nails into her palms to stop the fleeting tremors as, her, as she hid her hands below the table. It's time. Jason reached out and touched her shoulder. She briefly wondered if she stood, could her legs bear her weight? She didn't worry long since comforting thought nor came to mind, calming her fears. We'll handle whatever happens together, her aunt had told her during a recent phone call. You needed to speak your truth. Taking a deep breath, she said a quick prayer before rising from her seat. A heavy pit formed in her stomach as she followed the men to face the jury who held her fate in their hands. And that's the end of uh, chapter one. All right. Um, I love, I love, I love Carly um, as an individual. Uh, one thing I liked about the book is I liked how you showed that a couple uh, coming back together, um, even if there's love still there, that is not always easy. And um, finding where you fit in each other's lives is can be difficult. Yes. Um, I felt that with Carly and um, Mason um, when they came back together. In the, in the beginning, it was difficult for me to um, get get them with them as a couple because Mace seemed so indifferent at first. Mm -hmm. And then yes. book went on, you get to see why he was the way he was. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Now, was that was that intentional as far as you wanted to show basically that you know even though they've they've come back together, they have they have their second chance that it's not an easy road. Yeah, it definitely was. And the other thing was weaving in what um, caused the problem in the. You're freezing. You, you froze up a little and bit. And that is, you know, we oftentimes will, will think of traumatic brain injury as something that happens to soldiers, but it happens to football players all the time. Mm -hmm. And so part of his therapy was to help him to control his emotions because they were out of control. He was angry. He was you know, volatile. They, they just didn't know how to handle him. And so, and he didn't know how to handle it himself. So for him, what he settled on was this kind of sense of calm mm -hmm. where he would just kind of go deep within him. And, and wasn't in a positive thing, even though it was the indifference that helped him in business because where everybody else was like, oh, we need to sell or we need to do this. He was calm and cool as a cucumber because he had learned that from what it happened before. So it helped him in business dramatically, but not necessarily in love. He had to learn that there was another way to, right. to deal with that. And Carly didn't understand his indifference. Right. Um, and it took a minute for him to explain. I think he didn't know how to explain. Right. Um, you right. know, 
what what had happened to him. What, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so much of, of what we are doing in the field of helping people with TBI is new. So, I mean, and I think the, it was intentional to create kind of this sense of confusion, like, okay, so this happened, but they didn't tell him. Well, yeah. he couldn't tell what he couldn't understand. The family couldn't speak about what they didn't understand. All they knew was that their son wasn't their son anymore. And so they, they had to pull him out of that situation to get him the help. But unfortunately, Carly takes a big hit. A, she was the love of his life and now he's gone without any explanation. Right. And then we find out that there were outside forces that were trying to yeah. get him part as yeah. well. So um, they had that to, um, to find out and come to grips with. Um, Ola is saying, sounds like one I need to read. Yes, Ola, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I would love if you did and give me some feedback on it. <laughs> Most definitely. And what's your thoughts on it, uh, Tina? As far as um, what we were talking about, as far as um, your impressions of um, Mason in the beginning. Um, for He always seemed like like a Deanna was saying that it, he always seems so calm, and and I think it it almost irritated her a little bit because she was so like she was hyped and she was ready to battle, you know. <laughs> and it it, it almost came, it, it almost came off indifferent, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's why um, the conversations they had, she was a little more brutal. I think with him and a little more sharp with it. And he would, and, and in the moments I would be like, oh, he's about to come back and say this. And he would be calm, like, no, that's blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> because she came, she, she came at him really honestly yeah. and really strong because she was, you know, finding herself, you know, right. finding herself. And I think it's because too that she had some resentment because she was oh, thinking yeah. that. She was thinking that he left her, basically. Correct. High and dry. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I think you find out a little uh, further down, too, that being the star football player, I mean, he he had his, his choice of any woman on the campus. And so the idea that, you know, she felt like maybe he discarded her. It's like, okay, you're my play toy, even though we go way back. Mm -hmm. um, you're my toy for the moment. And now that's, you know, I don't want to play with you anymore. You're, you're just mm -hmm. gone. You're out of here. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and she was looking for the juice. I mean, she, what she would call was somebody who was a little more passionate. Who, Who, uh oh, you um, froze yeah, up a little bit. <laughs> kind of, they, they would have this given him, and and what she gets ten years later is this. So she doesn't know how to handle it, right? And especially then, coming from her marriage, right? So that, yes, especially coming from her marriage, right. yeah. And it's it's it, it yeah. That's a good that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. The contrast was just yeah. tremendous. Yeah, it was interesting to me how how similar how parallel they their lives were as far as them. Mm -hmm. um, both going into a direction with people just to um, get over the hurt, but they ended up with people who mm. uh, were not necessarily good for them. Um, although, to be honest, too, as far as Mason and um, Jamila, is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Um, 
he wasn't emotionally available to be a husband to her. So right, right. So I this, can, that definitely was one of those rebounds because he got tired of feeling sad that he no longer could have Carly and here this you know very um, different. Especially with African American women, but different. I mean, she she comes across as different. She's full of life. She's full of herself, and she makes him laugh. She makes him forget. She's one of the first ones that makes him forget about Carly. And so that's that really was the attraction. But the attraction still was within the context of Carly being in his heart. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine just um, any woman in that position where. They know basically just like um, I thought. It thought I think about uh, Princess Diana when she made that comment. There were three people in our marriage, hmm. so it reminded me a little bit of that because she Carly was always like there with them. And she so, was the ghost in their relationship, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 funny that you mentioned that because one of the highlights that I highlighted in uh, my e-reader was. Um, on page 106, where uh, the scene was with Carly and Mace when they were revealing um, some truths to each other, other. And she locked eyes with him and placed a hand over her mouth as she, I'm reading the, the thing, reading it from the um, book, as she ingested his words. My truth is, I know I was also rebounding after we split up. I don't want to be the ghost in your life anymore if you're ready to be present in mine. Yeah. So she's basically letting him know she's there as long as he's going to be present. She, And she told him outright in another scene, not this one, that she's not going to be the woman who just sitting waiting for him to come back from one of his business trips. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like that. Um, I like the way she phrased it. So that made me um, highlight that. Um, and then um, I want to get a little bit into like... Um, most romantic scene in the book for me was um, Mason Carly's dance on the dance floor of, for the company's New Year's Eve party. Yeah. After, um, after they had their heart to heart in the um, in the suite, when um, and then once they came back down, a lot of people had left. Uh, <laughs> and you would have thought that that would have been a downer, but when they started dancing on the floor, and then other, and then her friends came in and joined, and then the other guests that were there came to the dance floor. Um, I love the scene because I, that's one of the things that I love most is dance. And when the uh, when the author incorporates a dance scene, yeah, yeah, I enjoy writing dance scenes too. Yeah, so that was a that was a plus for me, and that was my most romantic. What about you, uh, Tina? Did you have a most romantic scene? Um, I guess it would be romantic. It was the, the conversation that they had um, when he got back from um, Africa, was it? I can't remember. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and they kind of laid it all out and he, you know, they just were being super honest with each other um, yeah. in that moment. Um, that was, you know, she, she brought out her assumption and her fears and he was trying to tell her he was all in it. Just like, she just couldn't really believe him. He kept mm -hmm. saying it, but she was just kind of like, yeah, maybe, but it, I think it finally sunk in, you know, that he was all in. And I thought that was, that was, yeah. Interesting. 
And I think it was a lot of like miscommunication because they're both, to me, they both were like, um, had a little PTSD, I think. Um, yeah. And they were kind of walking on eggshells around each other. So yeah. mm -hmm. um, they weren't really communicating the way they should. So it was a lot of misunderstandings because um, like uh, he originally felt like he didn't want children. And right. so that was her assumption, but um, he didn't make and it, it, to feed he didn't that. it with his ex, right? Yeah, she helped to feed that. Yeah. And then you know what? That was one of the scenes, and it, it probably was meant to be frustrating because I felt like if I was there <laughs> in that bathroom, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted, you know, I was pushing for Colleen to just you know, push back a little more with her because I understand that she was in a moment and there was some some information she was receiving from Jamila that was like, whoa, what? But I, I like the way, you know, I, I I was hoping Ariel or oh, what's her name? Yara? Was Yara. Like, oh, they have done it if they weren't locked up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, with her having her him like locked in there with her, mm -hmm. and yeah, I would have liked a little more to push back. But what I thought was interesting is that she was able to, even though that they had that confrontation, um, she was able to see it from Jamila's point of view, and she she made uh mace, she basically had him acknowledge because she was like, Okay, so how did you forgive Nick? And why is he working for you? <laughs> um, yeah, you yeah. Him, but you didn't forgive her. Um, it's like you wanted to punish her, and he admitted, "Yeah, I did." Um, but he ended up. Uh, I guess once he thought about it, he he admitted, "Yes, she was a part of the brand, she, uh, helping the brand because she was the face of the brand." So, um, so I thought that was I thought that was interesting too. That she yeah, he recognized it in a, in a very. Uh, unhealthy, dysfunctional way. The two of them were tied. He'd already been in a dysfunctional relationship with her. And if that was the thing that was keeping them together, then he needed to sever it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it, 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 I can see how it could be confusing to Carly because she was like, um, she referred to them as having a relationship. He's like, I don't have a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, your ex still comes to your party every year. <laughs> There is that. <laughs> so right. I can see like little things that <laughs> that would have drove me crazy and it would have kept me off kilter too. I could feel like absolutely you really don't know where you stand. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. And again, and they had these this gap of 10 years. And if you can imagine being a 21-year-old and what you like as a 31-year-old, totally mm -hmm. different. And so they were basically trying to fill in the gaps with each other. And some of it was with information that was valid. And some of it was with information with people who had an agenda that wasn't. Right. I like, too, the relationship between him and uh, Mar Marlena, I think is her name. Um, oh, Marlena. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, over, even though at, um, some, in some ways I thought that she overstepped a little bit because they wanted to spend, Carly and Mason wanted to spend some time together and um I think it was around Thanksgiving. Yeah. One of the two. And um she was so used to taking care of Mason that right. mm -hmm. probably wanted to cook herself, but um she came over, she said, No, he wants I think it was New Year's. She was like, No, New he Year's Eve. Yeah. 
my husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting dynamic. Um probably to put them in their place. Yes. Yes. Um but I like, you know, I like the heat that they were there for each other um when it was explained that she also had lost um some loved ones and so they they both helped each other get through. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like that as well. Um, one of the other things that I like to um, touch on is the most heartfelt or touching scene for me. Um, and I actually had two in this story. One was um, when Carly had a meltdown at the company party. Uh, when when it's like one thing after another kept happening. <laughs> uh, first it was the thing with Jamila, and then it, it just seemed like it was one thing after another, and then her with Fletcher. Mm -hmm. And so she she needed she was felt overwhelmed and needed to get away. Um, and I, it just, I, I felt it because first she went looking for her safe space, which was her friends. Right. But they weren't there. Right. So she ended up alone in her um, hotel room until Mace found her. Mm -hmm. But I love the scene because they actually were able to have a heart to heart. Yeah. Um, in that, in that moment. Um, that was one of the, one of the heartfelt moments for me. And then the other one was when Mace, when he was out of the country and, um, he thought that Carly was leaving him. Yeah. And because he found out that she had left town mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and found out another secret from one of his employees. But, and so he caught her in a panic and, and, and very frantic. And so I thought that also was a, a heartfelt moment for him because they, they, like I said, it felt like they both had this PTSD. Yeah, he was panicking so much because he couldn't even think fathom losing her again. Yes, yes, so I, I felt yes. that. I felt that same. Right, and, and uh oh, you froze her a minute. When after he got the assault, he wasn't worrying about himself. The dream was she got shot, and that he mm -hmm. he had lost her for life, and that that was where the panic came from. So you started to see some of the indifference start to, you know, the cracks in his indifference, and mainly when it comes to her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was one for you, uh, Tina, a heartfelt moment? Um, it was a it was a small moment, but it was something that that, that definitely I, I liked. It was when um, little Ian called. Um, oh yes, I forgot. I, right. <laughs> that really had me. And so it was funny. I was like panicking, you know, reading like, oh no, <laughs> what's gonna yeah. happen? You know what I'm saying? I need you, Uncle Mace. I need you. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm thinking like, how long does it take? And it was like three hours. I was like, what's gonna happen by then? But then there was an explanation that everybody was taking care of things on the other end, and I was like, okay, good. So I. <laughs> That's a little, one, yeah. but it was that was that was one for me. Yeah, that's Lord. me too. I forgot about that, but you know what got got on my nerves is Love his uh, VP it. or whoever he was, and he telling him I have to get get there. My my having you know a family emergency. Yeah, said, can somebody else? Can't you get somebody else? And I'm like, if he don't tell this man <laughs> off, <laughs> he would have got blasted if it was me. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> But you know, he was kind of like that the whole book. yeah. He was yeah. just on it like nobody but you could do it. 
and you know everybody else was like you know somebody else can do it besides you so he yeah, yeah. going on <laughs> yeah he definitely to me in that moment that that deserved him getting blasted i think <laughs> especially with everything being so heightened you would have thought that may with macy's is um him you know being uh thinking about his nephew being there by himself with his mother yeah um, he was very calm because i would have been on <laughs> <laughs> he came to me with no you can't leave yeah, <laughs> yeah but but again he he was also referencing the old mace where it was all about money it was yeah. a uh, yeah yeah because uh yeah because apparently he didn't see his uh family very often um right. like that sense, yeah because he didn't uh, see them often but it seemed like they had a lot of love yeah between them which yeah. i thought was really good you know that even to the point where ian could feel you know uncle mace you know i need you that was right right that was kind of telling i guess you know yeah yeah that definitely came through and um the other brother how, was it intentional not to have him he was mentioned but he wasn't actually in the book deuce i think his name was right I kept a deuce on the side a little bit because in the first round of it, Cameron, their father, and he's Deuce's name after their dad, Cameron. Cameron was alive, but we had to kill off Cameron for various reasons. And so um, what I didn't want is for the readers to kind of get um, kind of like a, a Esau and Jacob story. Like here, Deuce is the oldest, but, but Mace gets all the the glory he's the one who's a then so when i remove cameron from center of the story i kind of push deuce to the side too because there would be that question of well why didn't deuce get all of this deuce was the oldest son and you kind of you had, and and um you mentioned it in the story um that his grandfather basically took him under his wing. Um, yes. Because it seemed like he was mainly the main one that was with his grandfather all the time. Yes, yeah. yes, because he was the youngest one. And his grandparents were getting older. They did something, even though they loved their three girls, they always wanted a boy to carry on the family tradition. And, and Mace became the heir apparent through her family. Yeah, I, I got that. And um, the thing with Jason, man, at, at first, I, 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 at first, I wasn't sure what direction you were gonna go with him. Um, if he was gonna be truly like um, a threat to her, or if he was just somebody that was clingy and couldn't, you know, couldn't let go. You mean Tyson? Is it Tyson? Tyson. I think Tyson. Be Tyson. Tyson. Yeah, Tyson, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. well, Tyson, um, I guess part of it with my writing, and you'll see that in a lot of my books, I, 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 the shape that I, I seem to plot with the most is a triangle. I enjoy the triangle. And towards the end of the story, I like the circle. Things come full circle. Okay. So you'll often see that the main characters, and it may not be both of them, but in this case, it was both of them. There was a... That's true with a triangle and so um tyson was the type where 
they all went to college together and Tyson was always kind of jealous of Mason because mm -hmm. Mason was the golden boy. He was the one everybody wanted and he always had a crush, Tyson, on Carly, but Carly was connected to, um, to Mace. And so when he got Mace out of the picture, he thought, hey, everything's going to be good. And then here comes Mace back in the picture. <laughs> so, yeah. And so he could to try to get Carly back in his life. Yeah, including, uh, including using his mother. Yeah. Uh, his, oh, my goodness. His sick mother. <laughs> that was an interesting scene with, <laughs> between him and Mason, um, Carly in the, um, in the hospital. In the hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Mason told her, Mason said, don't look back. Just keep walking. Don't look back. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was fun. I'm like, oh my goodness, he really about to uh, do something. He said, don't look back. I was waiting for him to say, no matter what you hear. <laughs> don't see the difference between the car. You get to see the old maid come out. Yeah, and, um, and it was warranted because, uh, this guy didn't know how to take no for an answer. He did not. Yeah. Did not. Um, now, what ended up happening? So, I, what ended up happening with? Did they end up paying him off, or did did he still have a trust? I, I was kind of confused on that part. Well, they were in negotiations. They they thought if they gave him a a good chunk, you freezing up a little bit. That he would go away at the very least, leave Trump because Mace was on his way out of the country, and so he goes off to Vegas, wins more money. But still, the person who holds the purse strings to the end of it was Mason. So they're, they they kind of left a negotiation with that, mm. whether he was going to get the full amount. Okay, um, but I, I I enjoyed it, and like I said, I I liked. Although it frustrated, frustrated me a little bit in the beginning, um, how indifferent he was <laughs> towards Carly. Then, but when I found out his story, his backstory as far as the head injury, and then him having another head injury in the mugging, yeah. or um, and then I was worried about that because I'm like, okay, is this going to be an issue because he was forgetting things and yeah, all of that. Yeah, um, and then he was kind of frustrating me too because. Carly, you know, she wanted to be there for him and go to his appointments with him, and he kept downplaying it and didn't take her at first. Mm. And so I'm like, he wants a relationship with her, but he's not doing what she's telling you what she needs. She says she needs you to be present. But right. um, but eventually he got there. It took them having a, a few heart-to-hearts, I believe. Right. Well, I mean, I think he also discovers that, you know, uh, on one hand, it was set up where the secrets and lies and deception came from him, but she had her share of secrets too. Right, right. And 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 I, and I thought that too when she said uh, when she said something about him not being open, and I'm like, okay, but you have uh, a secret. A big one. <laughs> Pretty big one. <laughs> yeah, so that was a little hypocritical. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. mm. But I loved how you incorporate all the different um, holidays in the book, too. We got the Thanksgiving, we got the Christmas, we got the New Year's Eve. Yes. New Year's, um, so I enjoyed that as well. Um, but I'm glad that we finally got a chance to uh, have you on the show and talk I, about I enjoyed being here. 
<laughs> yeah, this hour is this time has gone by pretty fast, but yeah, I, yes. I um I'm glad that like I said because um you know I had some issue health issues, so I wasn't able to have you on earlier. But yeah, I'm glad that we finally made it here, and um, I enjoyed the book. Thank, thank you. you, thank you. I appreciate you all taking the time to read and find out. I mean, I guess in the other thing that um, the 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 character that is a silent character in the book is the city of Charleston. She has her mm -hmm. own personality too. Yeah, and I saw that too. They um, those were the two uh, Charleston and New York. They went between. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, before before we end, do you have any upcoming projects that you can discuss or? Anything coming out? Talking to me. So, um, and my books are character driven. So it's like, you know, she, she's kind of telling me, well, you're telling our story, but you're not telling all of our story. And so, you know, and especially as they have the opportunity to form a family now, something that's taken them a decade. And, you know, how do they kind of push forward to that? And how do they recognize that there was time lost so that what they don't have is the opportunity to lose any more time? They've already lost enough time. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love to, to get an update on them and um, see, see how they navigate, actually. For many people who are curious about Miss Yara, who tends to be the more feisty of, of the three. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if they're going to, if they're really, because they, they both, I don't know if they're both seeing, we're seeing um, Mason's employees or just the one, but that would be interesting to see where yeah. that goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing what you come out with next. And um, I'll have you back on. If you Thank want. you. Most definitely. Thank um, you. Tina, did you have anything that you wanted to Thank add? you all happy holidays. Same to you. Same to you. Um, no, I just thought I, it was a, it was a great read. Um, and and that was something I didn't get to mention was something that it's in my family as well was the phone call about the fish dream. Which I, <laughs> I think a lot of families, yes. Right? I, could, I could relate. And it was like, that used to be the thing, wasn't it? And right, that was the thing. You know? <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that, I like that too, because it, it reminded me uh, back in the day, that used to be the thing. Mm -hmm. um, That's right. Call the final who was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh good but yeah thank you for coming on the show and sure, my um, pleasure thank everyone in the audience who joined us and um make sure you go out and get the book if you haven't already read it and um you can follow a description of where you can stay in touch with um, michelle sims is in the description um it's also at the bottom of the screen but if you if it's after uh, we sign off, then you can always get that information in the description where I added it. All right, ladies. Well, this is our time, and um, I'll see everyone in the audience. I'll see you next week um, for the next after the holidays. I'll see you for the next uh, interview. So, everyone, have a great holiday, and see you next Happy time. Holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> All right.